Jam, isn't it? That is a jam lover money, Ed. Why do you uh, why do you talk about it now? Why do you bring it up now? Well, you know, I know Prince was given it as a, an option. What is it love or is it money? But we're gonna ask you guys out there, it all our all our wonderful listeners that actually love equals money because we're actually throwing out a bit of money over the last couple of years, Jared and myself, to put this podcast together, to have it actually on a platform that you guys can access and distribute it across to Spotify and Apple and all around the world. And we need your love. We need a little bit of your money to kind of offset the costs that we've been incurring over the last couple of years. We we hate to have to do this because we do do this out of the love of Prince. I know you guys listen because of the love of Prince, but any little bit of, of help you could give us financially would certainly be very, very much appreciated. That's right, Ed. You couldn't be more right. And, you know, folks, when you sign up to be a subscriber to When Does Podcast through our Buzzsprout platform... You will eventually get some access to some bonus materials. Ed and I have some big plans for projects we want to get people involved in when when they subscribe to our show. And all of that will be announced soon. So help us out. Show a little love. Show a little money by helping us keep this project going. We're so grateful for your help. And we're so grateful to everyone who's already subscribed. Keep it coming, folks. Please do it, guys. Listen. And listen, like Jared said, you know, throw some money. We're not going to forget these early investors, these early folks who jump up first and say, raise their hand, dip into their wallet, say, I can give you a couple of bucks a month. As Jared said, we're going to look for opportunities to present some exclusive material to those subscribers and maybe get you guys directly involved. Like if you have ideas for shows, you want to be on one of the podcasts, listen, we're, we have no pride. We'll do whatever it takes. We have, at this point. I think it's well established. <laughs> we have no pride. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, folks, again, I mean, we wish we didn't have to ask for a little bit of help, but we certainly would appreciate maybe if you could grab some change um, and throw some money our way. It would certainly help us offset some costs that we incur. And what's more, everybody, you can get, donate whatever level you feel like. You can, as little as three dollars as as much as you know, if you want to subscribe for a million dollars an episode. I mean, sure. I, you don't have to do that. But if you wanted to do that, you could do it. Love or money. That's right. Love or money, people. Love or money. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Now back to our regular program. Let me talk about this. Um, the seasons have changed. It's now spring. Yes. Officially. Mm-hmm. And I know we're grateful for that for any number of reasons. Many reasons. Spring training has started. Yep. yep. Uh, the days are longer. More, more sunlight great. later into the day. More sunlight. That's a big one for me. I'm a big. Yeah. Let's have. I, I prefer spring forward to falling back. How do you feel? Uh, if it was it, look at it, if it was up to you, we'd have 24 hours of sunshine. Is what I mean, that's a little bit true. That's there's a little bit of truth to that. Yeah. yeah. I want to I want to play in the sunshine. Oh, well done, my friend. Well done. Well played. That's it. That's it. The other thing though that spring makes me think about is flowers. Sure. You know, the blooming of flowers. A lot of blooming going on. 
How's that process well, work though when they when the flowers bloom? Uh I think it's April showers bring May flowers. Is there more to that to that? That's all that it is, right? Is it more complicated than uh, that? I think that's right. April April showers bring May flowers. Um oh that's that means the answer was correct. That's the oh excellent. Thing. That's good. That's encouraging. Yeah. I need that kind of encouragement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but so that makes me think of uh where we are today, which is discussing lotus flower well you know what i'll be honest with you i didn't see you going there i thought you were going in a different direction with this but Did you think uh, i was going to do like um yoga or no uh, i thought you were going to be like you know what spring brings allergies do you know how you because <laughs> you and i are both under the weather you're gonna be like that's true so i thought you're yeah, going we're in both under the direction weather. i didn't realize you're bringing it into the lotus flower which is is that who we're talking about today, Jared? We're talking about the lotus flower today. We're talking about lotus flower today. Although we are both a little under the weather, folks. Uh, as you probably saw, Ed and I took last week off. We were both feeling not so hot. Um, you know, various illnesses are striking us at the same time. Um, it's it's not great, but we're soldiering through. We haven't no, no. ruled out competing podcasts that done some type of weird <laughs> biological warfare. Yeah, how do we know? We don't know. There's a lot of competition out there. There could yeah. be all kinds of biological yeah. agents being sent yep. to us in the mail. Yep. But we are talking about Lotus Flower today. Yeah. So let me let me I I, I remember this album well, actually. Do you talk about yeah. it? Speak. Let on me it. go into the time capsule. So back in two thousand and nine. Nine. Yeah. Good. So, Jared, I was on my way back to the States permanently after living in Korea for three years. So this is another Korea story. I, I love throwing these. You know, another pod goes by where I... If this is a drinking game for you folks, get the glasses out. So That's right. Or the bottles for that. You know, we're talking to you, Bonnie. We love you. So, <laughs> anyway, um, I remember being aware there was a release, and I was like, I was like kind of stuck, kind of stuck in Nepal, and Prince had released online a streaming version. Like you, you could stream Colonized Mind. And I would yeah. purposely go to a PC room, like a computer room, every couple of days just to listen to Colonized Mind over and over and over again. So I remember <laughs> that. And then when I, on my way back home, I, I was, the interim stop was, was, was London. And I remember that's when I bought the download. Was that when it was finally released? So I can get, I get Lotus Flower and Minneapolis Sound. Um, and started listening to it then. So I, I have a fondness for this release because it was such a tie to me tr- coming back home. Sure. Yeah. There's some some sure. coming back home for Prince on this album, maybe on this one. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about that. It's interesting that, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you were in Nepal at the time, right? Because yeah. the Lotus is so associated with uh, Eastern, right. Eastern meditation. Absolutely. And, Nepal being such a center of that kind of thought and that, that sort of philosophy. Yeah. That's interesting. That's an interesting coincidence. Yeah. Um, How about you? Do you, re- do you recall this album coming out at all? Only insofar as that I remember it came out. You know, I remember it was released. I remember it was a triple album. Uh, and folks, let us say, I guess we'll say right off the bat, we're only going to do Lotus Flower today. We're going to yes. do Minneapolis Sounds going to get its own episode. And then we'll do... Um, Elixir sometime. Elixir. We'll do that some other time. We're gonna we're gonna circle back around to that. But for now, we're gonna do Lotus Flower as its own separate episode. So I do remember it coming out. I remember him. Uh I remember when he was on, we're gonna talk about this a little bit. When he appeared on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, he did three nights on that, and he was really promoting it in a really serious Yeah, I did a lot of TV appearances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of TV appearances. 
So I remember that a lot. Uh, there's some other um, advertising and sort of promotional stuff he did I'm going to get into later. Um, so I do remember that, although uh, I didn't know any, you know, I didn't I didn't buy it at the time. And um, uh, I didn't really hear much of it on the radio. No, there was really nothing on the radio. I, and I remember I bought it and, and you'll probably maybe get into this with the facts and figures, but I can't remember. There was some weird thing about was there something about buying something for seventy seven dollars and seventy seven cents, which I didn't do because I always was a little nervous about investing that much money into a Prince website purchase of something because I wasn't yeah. sure. But I did yeah. buy. I think I bought the the combo of. Um, I don't think I bought the triple. I bought the Lotus Flower and Minneapolis Sound. But what I did get from that purchase, and I wish I still had it because it's one of my favorite T shirts, was a T shirt which was the Lotus Flower album cover. Oh, with a black T-shirt. I loved yeah. it. I think it looked awesome. It was like one yeah. of my favorite, probably my favorite, one of my favorite Princess shirts of all time was a little. Yeah. What happened to that shirt? You just lost it somewhere? Or Over just... time. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. You know, 14 tremendous. years down the road, you kind of lose track of those T-shirts. 14 years. Wow. 2009 was 14 years ago. Yep. Yeah. I don't have a, I, I, but I was excited to listen to it. I'm excited. I was excited to listen to this project and um, yeah, you know, there's People have a lot to say about it, which I think is interesting. Yeah, so, I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of feedback with there's this. A lot of feedback. Yeah, there's a lot of feedback on it. Um, so I guess let me say from there, unless there's anything else, do you want to do facts and figures? How are you feeling? I'm feeling like let's do the facts and figures with Jared. Didi didi lotus flower. I feel like that had a little bit of a, like, I needed a little steel drum underneath that. Like yeah, a little, yeah, 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 that's what I needed. That's good. Thank you, Over. Okay. Facts and figures on Lotus Flower. Lotus Flower is Prince's 33rd official album, Woo! studio album. It was released digitally on March 24th, 2009. So we are coming up in, uh, what's today? Uh, today's the 21st. No, today's the 24th. What? The what? Today, that never happens. That never happens. Today, this is as we're recording, this is the 14th anniversary. Happy anniversary, Lotus Flower. Happy anniversary, Lotus Flower. Wow, that's fortuitous timing. Yeah. And then the, the physical release was on March 29th, 2009. So just five days later. It did debut at number two on the Billboard Hot 200. It sold right. 168,000 copies in its first week. And it became Prince's fourth consecutive top three album in the United States. There so that's go. a nice little return to form for him sales-wise. You yeah, know, he's grooving there in the, in the 2000s. He was. I mean, it's not the world-dominating days of the mid-80s, but still pretty good. Right. Good. Um, it narrowly missed out on the number one spot by 3,000 copies, 3,000 copies fewer than Keith Urban's album, Defying Gravity. Damn that, Urban. Couldn't name a single Keith Urban song, like not one. Couldn't. Defying Gravity, that's from the, the Wicked soundtrack? I think it's the same one, yeah. I think the whole thing is a Wicked tribute project. I think that's what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, he did a lot of promotion for this. So on March 11th, 2009, uh, it was announced that Prince would do three nights on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, March 25th to the 27th. He performed Old School Company, Dreamer, and Feel Better, Feel Good, Feel Wonderful. Nice. He also performed Crimson and Clover on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Yes. And um, during a fourth appearance on The Tonight Show on May 28th, uh, Prince also performed Somewhere Here on Earth from the Planet Earth album. Um, I'll tell you, I posted that to our Facebook account in, in conjunction with the Planet Earth review we did. 
Yeah. That might be his best TV vocal I've ever heard. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. So good. Um, so a couple of the things I want to mention here. So on March 23rd, a demo of the song Chocolate Box without Q-Tip. Now, Chocolate Box is on Minneapolis Sound, so we right. will talk about that. But that was leaked onto the Internet. And then uh, on March 24th at 7.07 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, lotusflower.com opened officially. There it is. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, members who joined early and paid the $77 a year fee got to view streaming videos, including the cover of Creep from the 2008. Oh, that was epic. It was epic. And I have, I have some, uh, I have some little, I'm going to come back to that. I have a little sidebar about that. Okay. Um, so yeah, but there was also videos you could see for chocolate box, crimson and clover. Every time you could download all the albums below. Um, you got a t-shirt, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, and then uh, later in 2009, Prince performed two shows at the Montreux Jazz Festival yep. um, and released a re-recorded version of the 1986 outtake in a large room with no light to promote those concerts. He also performed three shows in Monaco uh, in conjunction with promotion for this album. Oh. Um, so he, he was really trying to get this out here. He also performed on the French TV show Le Grand Journal uh, to promote Lotus Flower, and he played three shows in Paris. And on that show, he performed the songs Dance For Me, No More Candy For You, 1999, and Controversy. Nice. Um, so back to the uh, – this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I think it's interesting. Back to that creep performance. Yeah. So, this is from Rolling Stone. So just two weeks before that Coachella Festival, which was 2008, the organizers announced they had a very big name to join the lineup, and it was Prince. The previous summer, they had reunited Rage Against the Machine, but this time around, the biggest draws were Jack Johnson, Roger Waters, and Portishead. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you could argue Roger Waters, but no real superstar there, yeah. I yeah. would say. So uh, with a ton of new festivals popping up all over the country, Coachella organizers knew they had to find something extra special to stand out. Said Coachella booker Paul Tollett, he said, in this year of a lot of festivals, we think we've done pretty deep. We're in our ninth year, and this is a really great addition to the whole story. It's exciting to add another artist into the mix that hasn't played festivals, and that artist, of course, was Prince. So he was facing a large young audience that maybe wasn't as familiar with his catalog. So he packed the set with big hits. He did Little Red Corvette, Cream, 1999. He did Purple Rain. He also played a lot of covers in general that night. He did The Beatles Come Together. He did Sarah McLaughlin's Angel. He did Santana, his old friend Santana. He did yes. Soul Sacrifice. I, I I never saw a copy of this, but I'm sure it's out there. He did B-52's Rock Lobster that night. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. And then, uh, as everyone says, the most jaw-dropping moment of the night came near the end of the main set when he broke out Radiohead's Creep. For sure. He never played it before or in any other Radiohead songs, for that matter. But he stretched it out for eight minutes and made it completely his own. Uh, it popped up on YouTube the next morning with shots from different angles. Of course, as we all remember, Prince was super vil uh, vigilant about that stuff, and he had it right. taken down right away. And Radiohead frontman Tom York was quoted as saying, quote, really, he blocked it? Surely we should block it. Hang on a moment. Well, tell him to unblock it. It's our song. Right. And if we like what he did, and they did, they loved it, then it should be up there. Um so uh, anyway, it's been up there again, and uh, it's considered among many people, along with his performance at the Super Bowl, to be one of the greatest live moments of his career. 
it's, uh, which is pretty awesome. It's definitely up there, folks. And if you have it, I'm sure most of the folks here in the purple world have have listened or seen this footage on YouTube. It's such a joy to watch because especially if you get some real fan, like people with their phones or whatever recording it, there's this interesting like waves of like the music starts at the very beginning and people don't know what the song is. And then you can hear them st- starting to realize what the song actually is and the crowd goes nuts. Yes. And then he absolutely tears. We'll have an episode, I'm sure, down when we get past the catalog about his best guitar solos. He tears it up. Maybe the only thing I can say in a performance setting that's equivalent is his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, performance. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, absolutely... Totally. T- t- I remember listening... Like, I was, some of those moments is when you're a Prince fan that you're so proud you're a Prince fan because you know he's converted thousands upon thousands of new totally. fans in that yes. moment because it's otherworldly how he's playing the guitar. That's right. And I found this little review of that performance from Far Out Magazine, which is from the UK. They said this, quote... The purple one get the purple one not only evokes the loneliness of Radiohead's original, but adds a new level of complexity. A naturally somber yet distinctly flourished and polished affair. Prince's version of the 90s hit is at times euphoric and ascending, and at others so drenched in melancholy that you'd be forgiven Prince was if you thought Prince was actually a young, down-and-out student in his dorm room wailing away. Vocally at polar opposites of the spectrum, Prince's smooth version of the song does lack a certain edge, which Tom York's estranged and detached performance nearly always provides. For that reason, you can understand the Prince Estate being happy to keep this performance from the public eye. But as a piece of pop culture memorabilia, it's as good as anything we've ever seen. And I think that's true. So that was, and the reason I mentioned this again is because it was sort of a little bonus for Lotus Flower. If you signed up, you got this. You got to see this video now. Now anybody could watch it. Now that he's gone, it's up there, and, and I'm sure people have seen it. But if you haven't, look up this video performance of Creep. It's stunning. It's stunning. Yeah, it's and, absolutely I, and I think it's 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 appropriate to talk about it because this particular album, this Lotus Flower collection, is so guitar oriented. So yes. it, I think it's it's. When, I don't want to say it's representative, particularly of the style of the album, but definitely it's guitar driven. So it makes totally. sense. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, so now we go. We come to some reviews. Yeah. So here we have uh, our friends Wilson and Alloy. Hi. They gave them. They gave them. Wow. What's the matter with me? They <laughs> gave Lotus Flower three and a half stars. Out of four. Out of five. Out of four. Okay. Out of, out of five. Excuse me. Out of five. Okay. Three and a half out of five. Yeah. So they said this quote. Apparently, Prince fell back in love with his main axe while out on the road backing Tamar. And this new disc is gloriously guitar heavy, whether the underlying tune is rock, funk, or somewhere in between. Most of the compositions are equally inspired, like the spellbounding power ballad Forever and The Wall of Berlin, though there's some light pop that doesn't really go anywhere like The Morning After and the instrumental 77 Beverly Park. Half of the songs feature the original NPG rhythm section of Michael B. and Sonny T. Most of the rest feature the Dunhams. The cover of Tommy James and the Shondells Crimson and Clover, which he'd been streaming at lotusflower.com, isn't on the downloadable record, but I don't have the physical CD, a Target exclusive. So don't get, that wasn't on the uh, original download. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. That's Wilson and Alloy. Now we come to, um, <laughs> you know how we love ourselves some Pitchfork, Ed. Oh, I actually remember reading this review back in the day. So yeah, go ahead. So Pitchfork, so first of all, folks, Pitchfork reviewed the entire set. 
right? All three records. So what I have done here is I have pulled out what they said about Lotus Lotus Flower, and then I also included the sort of the preamble to the whole review. So I'll I'll give us that. So this was written by uh, Jess Harvell. So here we say this, quote, good old pitchfork. Like many who came of age when each new Prince album expanded our conception of pop, I've already struggled through plenty of self-cannibalized sketches and ever more mawkish ballads and unsuccessful experiments to locate the canon-worthy songs lurking in his decade-plus of hubristic overproduction. Mm. I know a jumble of decent tunes, lackluster jams, and outright dreck invariably awaits on any Tuesday morning bearing a new Prince album. That added a little twist to my distress when I realized that at age 31, I was actually kind of dreading my first play of a new Prince album. Mm. It's a feature the 12-year-old me would not have wanted to reach. Assessing a new Prince album all but demands forced objectivity and willfully ignoring his first decade as a recording artist. Want to look like an idiot? Write a screed lamenting the fact that an artist has failed to consistently entertain, let alone surprise or enlighten, for over 30 years. But what's left, once you choose the road of sane detachment, other than a review that can be summed up as, predictably imperfect, your mileage may vary. Hence, my low-level dread. So here's my hardly original thesis, which many could have guessed even before clicking. Don't buy this album unless you're willing to do the work of winnowing it down to the tracks you find enjoyable slash passable. Two new Prince albums for the price of one might as well come with a giant sparkly sticker that reads, quote, for obsessive amateur editors only. Hmm. Filler on 21st Century Prince album, do purple pontiffs leave paisley piles in the Minnesota woods? (laughs) That's the preamble to the review. Wow. So here's what the review says. And again, as I have mentioned before in discussing Pitchfork, I have cut this down. Yep. <laughs> what I thought was was pertinent. So here's what else Jess Harvell had to say about Pitchfork. I had to say about Lotus Flower. Lotus Flower is mostly neutral funk rock. When I say funk rock, I don't mean the taut digitally enhanced amalgam prints invented and perfected in the 1980s. I mean the looser variety, amenable to extended onstage takes that friend and foe alike would describe as organic, albeit with very different inflections. It's a sound that works best when he observes three important guidelines. One, he restrains the stock guitar heroics. Has anyone's instrumental creativity been more effectively hampered by being repeatedly declared the last great virtuoso? Two, he keeps the tempos club-friendly, or at least friendly in the context of old-school weekend at the 40 and over spot. And three, he remembers his faux rivalry with fellow funketeer Morris Day was more productive than his imagined rivalry with musically ignorant young folks. Hmm. But when I say neutral, unfortunately, I mean pretty much exactly what you probably think I mean. The only track with an immediately memorable hook is his cover of Crimson and Clover, which would be sadder if he hadn't been obscuring his preternatural catchiness for some time now. On Lotus Flower, as on all of his albums since he became a classicist by intent and a live workhorse out of necessity, 
Prince mistakenly assumes instrumental prowess to be of primary importance to anyone other than online guitar tab traders, while also displaying an unflattering and near constant need to prove he can hang with the multicultural heroes who shaped his worldview. There's no need to genuflect when you've long since been admitted to the Pantheon. So that's Pitchfork, their whole set. They gave Lotus Flower a 4.9, which is, that is low. That is not a great Pitchfork score. No, not at all. And I, I mean, I, I actually remember that review. I really do. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I just sort of revel in their snobbery is like, as we do like, it's just sort of, it's breathtaking, the snobbery of Pitchfork, Pitchfork. I just sort of yeah. enjoy it so much. Yeah. So here's a few more reviews, a couple other things. The Guardian. Yay. Uh, Guardian gave it, uh, they, they gave the Lotus Flower Minneapolis sound set three stars out of four. They ranked it 29th out of all his projects overall. And they said, startlingly successful self-release double or triple, depending on your view, featuring some of his heaviest riffing for some time. That was what The Guardian said. Rolling Stone gave it three stars. And they said, Lotus Flower is the guitar album with some great Prince solos, but too many dull mid-tempo songs such as Love Like Jazz. So, Ed, let me give you a stereo gum now. Um Stereo Gum ranked the whole project 30th out of all of his releases. And they said this, quote, Listening to Prince's last 15 years of output can remind one of Southern Soul, the post-70s genre that caters to an older audience with the winking familiar. Southern Soul isn't about returns to form or reliving the glories of high or stacks. It's about the now, recorded with liberal synthesized instrumentation, playing to the shared experiences of its audience as such, it's utterly charming and deserved to be appreciated on its own merits. In that sense, tracks like the Cod Italian guitar instrumental 77 Beverly Park and the yearning piano-led pop rocker Forever offer pleasure if they can be divorced from the history of their creator. Of course, mm-hmm. it's that history that's always invoked when Paisley Park fires out a new offering. And double offerings like this would seem to show a man for whom scripting a tight set, quality control in other words, is a concession he's unwilling to make. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. we get the aimless Ignis Rock of Back to the Lotus and the squishy Fergie tribute chocolate box and the locale political grumble of colonized minds, which finds Prince doing a digital Dylan while defending his business practices. Speaking of, though, I'd still take a third millennium Prince release over, say, a Dylan record from the 80s or a Paul McCartney record from the 90s. The loudest gripes of over-late period releases are reserved for those who establish the most formidable reps. Hmm. Everyone else ends up on the AV Club's inessentials list. Like a select number of greats, Prince has offered so much while withholding an equal amount. Listening to his middling albums then become a kind of dumpster dive, where his current mood and concerns and consumption habits may be divined. Interesting. I think that's an interesting review. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Um, So that's... Stereo gum. Here's our friend from Goldie's Parade. Goldie's. They gave it four stars. Is that out of four? That's four out of four, I believe. Okay. They said this, quote, kicking off with a dreamy instrumental Lotus Flower really does start with a bang with the sonic boom. Laden with guitar, it sets the stage for the remainder of the album. Accomplished and slightly on the good side of heavy, this is as close to Prince's Jimi Hendrix tribute album as you're going to get. 
There are many radio-friendly tunes here. Forever, Wall of Berlin, and The Morning After, to name but a few. Crimson and Clover and Colonized Mind leave the usual mark of supreme quality, yet the songs that stand out from the rest is Funky Money and The Fantastic Dreamer. Where has this one been all our lives, they ask. Oh, wow. The track is colossal and just begs to be played live. Huh. Lotus Flower does not disappoint, and Prince gives us his usual head-bopping flair. Sharp lyrics and a much-awaited return to self-indulgent guitar, truly excellent, utterly original. Prince is still reigning supreme. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I, you know, Ed, we, as you know, I've been, I've been sort of returning to our usual sources for reviews. Yeah. You know, all those lists I have found and different things. So this time I was just sort of getting a little bored with that. So I was trying to find some others, um, other reviews, other opinions that we could turn to. Yeah. So I did find a handful that we don't normally speak of. So one of these is from USA Today. Oh, okay. The author named Steve Jones. He wrote this, quote, Lotus Flower is loaded with rip-roaring guitar riffs in booty agitating grooves as he explores love, politics, and loves politics. Feel good, feel better, feel wonderful is an orgiastic funk workout while the hypnotic colonized mind and 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 anthemic dreamer share his worldviews. Okay. Saying and anthemic is hard. That's a tricky (laughs) thing. And then I found this. uh, This is from the AV Club, the aforementioned AV Club. They said this, quote, Lotus Flower, which shares a name with Prince's new subscription web venture, has a slightly harder edge and maybe not coincidentally slightly more memorable songs. Forever turns heartbreak into a scorching anthem, and a cover of Crimson and Clover makes it sound like the song was written with Prince in mind. Prince's guitar works overtime on Lotus Flower, often patching some over some unfinished ideas. It offers a few gems and a lot of solid, unextraordinary music that will probably sound okay, sandwiched between greatest hits on the next tour. Hmm. And then, uh, let's see, two more and then we're done. Okay. This was something I found. I thought this was interesting called LAist. L A I S T. Okay. And it seems like it's a Los Angeles, like, sort of arts and culture website, I guess. Here's not Louisiana. I'm, well, it could be Louisiana, but I think it's LA. Okay. So they had to say this quote Fans of Prince the Guitar Hero can officially start drooling in anticipation of Lotus Flower. The first set previewed. It's got the feel of a funkadelic record from around the time of Let's Take It to the Stage. Not geared toward big hits and club club heaters, but offering up a nice mix of moods and sounds of the old school, from space rock expansiveness to John Lennon-ish piano romping, romping to overt Hendrix references and even to funky Broadway. It's all faintly psychedelic with big gobs of distorted guitar thrown around liberally. Although the tunes are kind of minimal, it's the first Prince album in years that sounds and feels like a band playing in a room together, really working the dynamics. This is a good feeling, and one he doesn't always capture on his studio records. It helps that he's got a number of his A-list collaborators on board, including Renato Neto, Michael Bland, Greg Boyer, and Maceo Parker, giving the performances a loose, live quality. Feel Better, Feel Good, Feel Wonderful recalls the Prince of Sexy MF, all strutting and horn-stabbing over a tight James Brown beat, 
Love Like Jazz sounds like one of War's extended jams with its lilting Brazilian chords leading into a punchy, syncopated chorus. Other names I jotted down during the length of the LP, Herbie Hancock, Albert King, and the Allman Brothers. If that sounds like a good time to you, it probably will be. I certainly recommend it. Okay. Huh. Then finally, get into this, who ranked what they said are all 65 of Prince-related projects. Yeah. They ranked Lotus Flower 34th out of 65. So right in the middle there. Okay. And they said, quote, mainly psychedelic rock-based, and as expected, he really shows his guitar chops. The Hendrix-esque Dreamer may be his heaviest song ever, or is at least up there. It also taps into more politics than you would expect. Dreamer, money, colonized mind. Unless you paid $77 to join his then website, there was no way to get this album in the UK, but is now available on title. Okay. So that's what Get Into This said. So those are our reviews, facts, and figures on Lotus Flower. Interesting array of thinking around with this album. I think so, too. It is interesting. I think it is interesting the way people are back and forth on this particular project. Um, so with that being said, should we do it? Let's get into this Lotus Flower. Let's climb into the Lotus Flower, assume the Lotus position, and pray. Track number one on Lotus Flower is From the Lotus. Ed, uh, I, I, you think I'd ask a yoga question here? But, I was expecting one. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch it up. Do you remember? Do they still make Lotus the car? Remember those? Like they were like a, like a super fancy sports car that was like a rival of Ferrari and Lamborghini, the Lotus. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely, man. Vaguely. And it was like a super hot, super sexy car. That's what I remember. Oh, really? I don't know if people make them or not. I don't remember the Lotus so much. Um, we'll have to get our research team on that. Maddie Alexander, you know, has offered to be our research assistant. Oh, we, we'll have to do some interviews and figure out if that makes sense for us. Yeah, we'll have to make sure that makes sense. Maddie, as I know you're listening, do a little research on the Lotus car for us. Do they still make the Lotus? Yeah, get, get back to us before midnight tonight if you can. Get back to us before midnight and also get a ballpark price. <laughs> there it is. There it is. We do need an official car for the show. Obviously. I'm a little um, disappointed because I thought you were going to say, what is Lotus as compared to POTUS? Is that is that what you thought I was going to do? Well, what's POTUS? President of the United States. What's Lotus? Ladies under the... Under? <laughs> sure. Ladies under the Uruguayan sun. Look, late, not under. Oh, that's no. Yeah, that's ladies why I was that's over. Was ladies over the Uruguayan sun. There you go. L O T U S. That is absolutely correct. And Maddie, you can confirm. <laughs> what do you make of this track, this opening track from well, the Lotus? Yeah, it's you know it's a little bit of an atmospheric beginning, right? This is this this is yeah. a short hit. 
kind of setting the tone. I think it's effective for what I think it's trying to accomplish. You know, it's, yeah, I agree. I it agree. starts off like something we may have heard back at the the um, what's the what was the album? Expectation, Ex- exhalation, expectation, you know, expectation. Thank you. That album, that kind of feel to it. That bass line, though, man, is for real in this song. Oh Love my that god! Bass. Yeah. It's real slippery. It's real. It's real tight. Love it. And I love Prince's guitar. It's really bright. It's plucky. It's really beautiful. And then I, I like that there's a little jazz breakdown and with Prince doing what he needs to do. You know, you got Michael B on the drums, Sonny T on bass guitar. I, you know, I, again, it, there's not much here to talk about because it's not particularly long. But I think in terms of like, does it does it get me interested in what might be coming? Sure, it does. That's how I feel. I think I, I think that um, it's a signal to us about where we're going or or at least where Prince wants us to believe where we're going with this particular track. I agree with you. The first word I wrote was atmospheric. That was the first word I wrote down. And it does, I, I feel like it has sort of a, like a sort of a groovy lounge music kind of vibe to it, right? Something like that to it. Yeah. About that bass line. The bass line is just a killer. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, there is some lovely isolated guitar work on this track there's a little jazz piano in there um and i think it i think it hums along it sort of hums along in a way that i kind of dig and then and then of course it bleeds right into it's edited right into the next track then let's just get into that so the next track on the collection is a song called boom Now, Jared, would you agree that the best song, including the phrase boom, is boom, 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 let's go back to my room so we can party all night and you can make me feel right? Oh, oh, oh. Wow, this is a good question. Is that the best use of the word boom in like a pop rock song? That's pretty good. Do we? Can we think of some other examples? Can you think I don't know of if any? I can. <laughs> Outside of that one, uh, boom, boom. I don't. Boy, I don't. I really don't know. Maddie, Maddie, you Maddie, got a second? Maddie, get on this. Maddie, look for other songs that have boom in, in it in the title or yeah, yeah. So I'll say yes. I'll say I agree. I'll agree with you. I'll take that answer. Song. I'll take that answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. What do you think about this little trackaroo? Well, I'll tell you this. I love the guitar right off the top. I love the guitar on this. This feels like, to me, well, let me put it this way. I feel like so many times throughout our guy's career, throughout his discography, we have heard people saying, this is the psychedelic record. This is the psychedelic track. This is the blah. I feel like this is the promised psychedelic track. There you go. It feels like psychedelia that we've been waiting for for a long time. Um, You know, it's, it's, there's something happening here. There's like, there's some spoken word. Do, do you hear that spoken yeah, underneath word? Underneath it, like in backtracking. backtracking. Yeah, but you, can't quite, you can't make it out. I, I, I'd love to know. And I, I did some research. I couldn't find anywhere yep. where people could see what he was saying there. There's these thumps of the bass and the drums. You can't make it out, but it's definitely there. Um, I think the phrase volcano magic is pretty good. I like that turn of phrase is pretty good. Um, and then that guitar just starts grinding. It just yeah. starts grinding. It's like industrial industrial funk crossed with like 
strawberry alarm clock, like one of those 60s mm. psychedelic bands. Like that's what it sounds like to me. Um, the the and there's there's that ebb and flow of it. And then he also speaks about one of the lyrics is the ebb and flow of the angels, ebb and flow of angels, yeah. which is another phrase I like. So boom, I actually I like boom quite a bit. I think it's a it's a strong statement and it sounds different from anything I've heard from him before. So I'm in on boom. How, what do you think of it? I love this one. I really yeah. do. Um, it's spacey. It's funky. It's mystical. Like it's, yeah. I love the echo effect on his, on his uh, vocal and sorry to say this, Jared, I think there's a little vocoder voice. Yeah. There's a, little, there's a little something, yeah. but it's done in a way. I think that's not like what, what that was incense and candles was the song that you hated, but like, it's oh not quite used in that way, but it's used, I think effectively it's very, it right. just makes it sound even more psychedelic. And it's kind of funky. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, those breakdowns through the song and Prince's guitar is just so filthy. It's good. the guitar hero track, right? This is, is. the guitar hero track. It yeah. is. And 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 I have to say, after the, the disappointment, lyrical disappointment of the last album, Planet Earth, like I am all in on let's bring 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 me that Prince mysticism again. Bring it back. Like I love this opening run of lines. What if another universe complete with sun and moon, an entire galaxy, and what's worse, you and I too soon find each other expanding beyond this dirty room. And I love this combination of, of just words, butterscotch mountains, sunshine. Yeah. I love those three words put together. I don't even know what it means or why it's yeah. such, it's so chewy to me. Yeah, those words, agreed. they just, they sound great together. Um, I, I love it. Um, and I mentioned about the backtracking that you were just describing. I wrote that down. That really, really interesting. This is the kind of guitar I've talked about throughout our, our pods. Various guitar tracks, like the song Guitar, for example, from the last album, didn't quite like it, a little bit too much like guitar, but pop, this is the kind of guitar song I love from him. It's filthy, it's raw, it's funky, sign me up for boom. Love it. Yes, agreed. Agreed completely. From there, we move on to track number three on Lotus Flower. This is the cover titled Crimson and Clover. Ed, um, what do you prefer? Do you prefer crimson or clover? Um, I think clover probably. Yeah, you're not yeah. so much of a crimson guy. Yeah, but you don't yeah. wear a lot of red, I guess. Do you? Not, no, not necessarily. I really don't. You know, even the Phillies hat you have on right now is the classic '70s. Yeah, powder puff blue. blue. Yeah, I love that blue. That's the best. It is a nice blue. Yeah, well, I just want to. I want to warn everybody now. I mean, baseball season is starting soon. Yeah, I don't, don't so there's going to be a lot of Phillies talk. Just so everybody, knows. yeah, just warn you now, guys. We'll warn you. Uh, just warning. Yeah. Uh, what do you? What about you, Crimson Clover? What's your choice? I guess. I guess I should go Clover as well. I mean, also I'm Irish, and I feel like when you're Irish, you have to choose Clover. You know what I mean? Little factoid about the original track. Yeah, I looked this up to see what because I, I was aware of it, and we'll talk about this because I, I really was aware of it because of the Joan Jett cover in the eighties, right? The Joan Jett famously um, did a cover of it. Yeah, but I was wondering about the lyrics about this, and apparently, uh, what was the name of the group? Tommy, Tommy, uh, Tommy, Shondell, Tommy James, that they went to a psychedelic phrase or a phase. I'm sorry, and then basically Tommy li- just liked Crimson separately, Crimson Clover, 
And just yeah. again, like I said about butterscotch mountains and sunshine, he just liked the sound of crimson and clover together. Just like it how it sounded, yeah. So like just two things he really loved. Yeah. Uh, so it was just kind of interesting. Um, anyway, so you're probably wondering what I think about this. So let me just tell what you. What do you think of it? What do you think of it? Um, I wasn't a big fan of the Joan Jett cover. I always remember thinking, yeah. nah, I don't know about that song, whatever. Um, I really like this cover though. Yeah. Like it, I feel like it it carries the vibe from Boom through in a very effective way. So it kind of like you're sensing, oh wow, there's some type of um basic sound to this album that he's trying to establish and it's it's starting to, to take form and it feels nice, right? Like still a little spacey, atmospheric, but like the guitar's great. And I love him mixing in the song Wild Thing in, in this as well. Yeah. Um so I think that really works well. I think he really takes his time with this song, which I think works really well. And that guitar tone is so right in this song. It's just, it's just, it's good. I, so again, I, well, for me, this is like keeping the level of boom, like it's sustaining my interest and my uh, appreciation for the songs. So I'm, I'm two for two coming out with this album. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think this is a really solid cover. I, I think you're right. It fits tonally really well with Boom, leaning into this the psychedelia of it all. I think that's really true. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure why we have the wild things, you know, the wild thing little verse sort of the, stuck in there, but whatever, it's there. You know, another sort of, sort of, not quite, but sort of psychedelic song from the same era. Right, right. Garage rock. So I guess that's why. Um, I think there's particularly really good drum work on this cover of Crimson and Clover. The drum work is really, really strong, I think. Uh But what I kept coming to is this. I'm not sure why we're doing this as opposed to an original track. And, you know, I kept thinking of while while I was listening to this track, I kept thinking of his cover of I Can't Make You Love Me. Yeah. Yeah. And while I might not think that was the strongest cover, what he did do was take that song and reinterpret it in such a way that really made it his own. Whereas this is a pretty faithful cover. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound structurally speaking and arrangement wise and intention wise, it doesn't really sound different to me than the original version. So I guess I'm just not sure why it's here other than, I mean, the guitar work is excellent. And yeah. the vocal is excellent, and it's all really strong. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure of the why of it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, I think there's always uh, there's always it's a natural question to ask in any Prince album the ne- the necessity of a cover song because right. he has an endless catalog of material to work from. It's right. It. But it's funny you say this because I got to be honest. When I first got the album, I don't think this was at all like a particular highlight for me. I think I skipped the song a lot. But for yeah. some reason, on the second on this re-listen. It felt like it flowed so well with Boom that a different appreciation of it. Oh. And I just I just appreciated how he was able to put a spotlight on his guitar work in this particular track. Yeah, and yeah. that it, yeah. it still kept the feel of the psychedelic era um, and honored that in a way. So I, I ended up liking this more than I remember liking it when I first heard the album way back when. Yeah, no, and I think that I think that you're right. And I, again, like I yeah. don't dislike it. I'm just sort of asking a question about it like you know why uh, questioning its existence i guess um, no, i get I, you i do i hear you i hear you i get so, you okay we're going to move on to the next track it's called the morning after 
Jared, what's your favorite memory of a morning after? Like, <laughs> please talk slowly and mention names and it's social security numbers. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, social security numbers too. That's a lot. Uh, you know what? I I, I thought you're going to say, what are your memories of the day after? Remember that? That epic uh, mini that TV show. Well, it was that a TV one night movie. event, right? It was a one it was night. A one night. It was a TV movie, right? Um, it was. It was. And, I, and I, it's funny you bring that up because I think... Not saying like it was so recent, but maybe within the last six months, I watched the epic when the new. So for folks who don't remember, this is an ABC. I remember this specifically. It was an ABC yep. TV show. There was a lot of warnings about it because it was. It 83? Was like, Does that sound right? 1983, 84? It was the early part of the 80s. 83 is probably about right. So it was about, it was depicting what would happen in actually nuclear war. Um, right. And there was a lot of warnings about it and all this stuff. So there's a lot of war. So I actually went back and watched what, when the bomb started to fall. And how that was depicted um, yeah. in, um, in in the movie. I remember the day after. Yeah, you ever watching that? Did you watch yeah. it? When it was that first released? I I did. I think you know what. To be honest with you, if I remember rightly, I think my parents wouldn't let us watch it. Oh, I could see that too. Yeah, you know, because they didn't want us to be freaked out. I guess. Sure. Sure. Um, so what what I remember of the morning after is the morning after the day after when I was mad that I wasn't allowed to watch the there day. There you after. go. That there I like what you brought that around. Now Thank I'm going to admit to our, to our, our faithful listeners. I listened to Apple music, Apple in their configuration, this album did not include morning after. So I did actually did not give it a listen. Jarrett did, did the right work and he actually listened to it. So we're going to rely on his review of this particular track. So what do you think of it? Well, and first of all, we all know this is, Probably for the best since my track, my takes. Oh God. But the morning after is more sixties pop. You know, the, that this record seems to be at least in the top half of this record seems to be leaning into that, right. That sixties psychedelia pop. So that's more of that. Um, and, and it feels uh, uh, to me that it's leaning into that sound even more consciously than, you know, around the world in the day did when everyone, everyone always said, that's the psychedelic record. This feels like it's doing that more so than, than around the world did. Um, this track, it's a little squeaky for me. Uh, that's the word I wrote down. It feels a little squeaky, but it's okay. There's, there's, there's strong guitar work on it. There's some lovely double leads on the guitar, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then it's over. It's, it's pretty quick. It's a, it's a sugary candy that you sort of, you know, you throw it in your mouth and then it dissolves and then it's okay. gone pretty fast. Huh. So um, I don't dislike it. You know, it's just it's a quick little, you know, piece of cotton candy thrown in your mouth and then it's gone. It's just OK. Dissolved. All right. I mean, I guess yeah. that's fine, I guess. Um... <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. If anybody wants to offer their take on the morning after, since Ed didn't do his due diligence. Oh, goodness gracious. We're auditioning for a new co-host, too, everybody. So um, what in the what's huh? I didn't know anything. Anyway, moving on to track number five. We'll talk about that off air. Track number five on Lotus Flower. This is titled Forever. So many things we can do in the new world. I can be your future lover. You can be my future girl If I never get to see your smile mm, Underneath the white veil Walking up the aisle 
Okay, let's get down to it. If there was, if you were in a position wherein you knew that you were going to have immortality, but you could only eat one food every day forever, what would that food be? No variations, no, like, can I change the recipe? It can only be one thing. But if you have it every day, you could live for eternity, live forever. What would that food be? I don't want to live forever. Um, What would it be? I mean, it could be that, like, listen, living forever means that you could, I don't know. You could see us journey out into the outer reaches of space. You could see everything, everything in Prince's vault finally be released. Yeah. There's uh, lots of things to it. I guess I need Americone Dream. Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream. Is that your favorite ice cream? Yeah, it's up there. It's, it's, it's... Did you know that that's my favorite? Have we talked about that? No, is it? I love Americone Dream. No, I do. Yeah, it's the best. I'm with you. It's kind of the best. Yeah. It's interesting. Every day. <laughs> Forever. What would you eat? What would your what would your food be? Well, now I'm thinking about Americone Dream. Well, you're gonna have to do it, right? I mean, that's the way to do it. So. What do you make of this track? Does it go on forever? How does it make you feel? I mean, I'm glad it doesn't go on forever. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like it's yeah. it's um this slots for me like in a like sort of a million days from musicology. It's sort of this like guitar pop song that for me is is pretty forgettable like it's it's catchy but like and it's funny i don't know why because the song doesn't necessarily sound like this but maybe it's the title whatever forever i keep hearing the song never by heart (laughs) oh that's interesting yeah some kind of weird correlation between the two songs i keep thinking of that I, I mean, I think it's a pleasant song. It's poppy. Um, it just it feels to me like a little bit like empty calories a little bit here as compared to the first couple of songs we've heard. Um, I do like, hey, I'll take that Jill Scott name drop anytime, sure. baby. Throw Joe Jill out there. I do like, Philly. Yeah, Philly Gal, of course. Um, I do like there's a lot of playful guitar runs kind of pluck it, plucking around in there. There's a twinkle of piano. I dig that. Um Here's a question I have about it. Do you think, in terms of the the personnel list on this track, do you think these backing vocalists all showed up at the same time to record their tracks? Shelby J, Marva King, Bria Valente, and Tamar. Do you think they were there all at the no. same time? Yeah, they were definitely not there at the same time. <laughs> no, no. That, that was a staggered, layered recording. I wonder if you could date when that. these guys... When he yeah. was dating these women and when they came in to record their backing vocals. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. that's right. What yeah. did you think about this song? What's your take on it? Well, you know what? I Tell me if you heard this at all. I feel like the the chords, those pop chords, they're very similar to the chords in Starfish and Coffee, actually. Oh, I, I yeah, I could see that now that you say it. They, they, have, they have the similar chord structure as in Starfish and Coffee. Um, there's a lilting little guitar riff under the chorus, which I like. Our old friends, the finger chimes, the finger symbols make an appearance. We haven't seen that. Bing, bing, bing. We're so glad you're back. 
Um, I'll say this. It's funny. When I, when the track starts, my thought is like, eh, right. but it grows on me as it plays on. Yeah. Like a fungus. Um, like, a, <laughs> like a fungus. There's more double tracked lead work at slightly different pitches, which I sort of like. Um, and that sort of comes into a, a very brief and very slight little gospely bit in the middle mm. of, the, of the tune, which I sort of enjoy. Yeah. Um, I'll say that I think the back half of this track is much stronger than the first half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, think, I just think it gets more interesting and compelling the longer it goes on. So I think for that reason alone, that makes it kind of engaging. Hey, you know, it reminds me the back end of it, the way it keeps kind of coming back and building reminded me oddly of remember the song way back in his catalog called It's Gonna Be Lonely. And it kept like you thought it was going to end, but it kept coming back again. Yeah. Reminded me of this here. Um, at, we yes. got to the end of this song somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, fair. OK, cool. All right. Well, let's move on. So the next track here is a song called Colonized Mind. Ah, system. Lesser of two dangers, illusion of choice. Down low, down low, they'll form a fascism, fascism. Nothing really ever changed, you never had a voice. So, Ed, here we are with a strange turnabout is fair play. What um, happened? Well, so as everyone knows, we you know we have to download all these tracks in order to upload them digitally when we're editing things together. And I found a website that was offering all of these massive downloads of Prince records, not all of them, but a lot of his Prince records. And their Lotus Flower download, for some reason, does not include Colonized Mind. So I was unable to review it. But oh, I believe... You did. How the tables have turned, my friend. The tables have turned, and now you can tell everyone your opinion of Colonized Mind. I'll record a separate solo pod later, <laughs> on an hour and a half on Colonized Mind. But just, yeah, tell just do a full hour on just Colonized Mind. Full hour on it. No tell worries. What, think, uh, what, what do you make of Colonized Mind? I, I'm a big fan of this track. I mean, it's definitely, I'm glad you're going to download it and listen to it because it's worth it. Um, it's slinky. And I would say it's maybe possibly too sexy to be a political song, but it's it's actually filthy good. It's really chilled out, excuse me, guitar. Um, and I'm I, I, one thing I really like about the album in general is like he's not afraid to throw a lot of vocal effects. He's doing a lot of different vocal effects on this album. Yeah, you keep that psychedelic kind of weird that atmosphere kind of going. He does it here as well. He does a lot of echo on his vocal here. And I think it works really effectively. And whereas like we talked about some of the naivete maybe of his lyrics, his political lyrics in the previous album, not saying he's like, you know, gone so deep, you know, whatever, but it's these lyrics work for me. And he uses this interesting, um, the counter of uploading and downloading from a computer perspective here to talk through his, his ideas here, which I think works pretty effectively to as example, he says, upload, it begins, upload the two-party system, the lesser of two dangers, illusion of choice. Download their form of fascism. Nothing ever really changes. You never had a voice, which to me is just, it's that, that is interesting to me. And he keeps using that upload a joint venture record deal, 
Download a temporary acquisition. Upload a child with no father, he says towards the end of the song. Download no respect for authority. Upload a child with no mother. Download a hard time showing love. Like, I think there's some interesting things he's, he, pebbles he's thrown into the water here about this song. And I, I think I'm, I'm really happy where he's gone lyrically with this particular collection of songs. I find it way, way more interesting and effective than what I was struggling with on the Planet Earth uh, collection of tracks. Um, and then at the end of the song, there's a big buildup and there's just, Jared, symbol crash after symbol crash to get to the end of the song. And it just builds up to this sort of climactic end with the super echo effect. I'm a fan of this one. I think this is a really good, solid, and interestingly, like interesting in terms of the lyrics, a track for Prince. Uh, that's really that's really cool. I'm actually I'm 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 excited to give this track a listen. And Ed, you know what? Just just by way of sort of whatever, just further information. So this is interesting. While you were talking, um, and you were I really loved your. And I, I stopped paying attention, of course, but I, I, you know, no, no, I was really interested in what you said, but I was also just sort of scanning what iTunes has up for, for not only Lotus Flower, but for Minneapolis Sound. And do you know what? Uh, the morning after isn't listed on either thing on iTunes. Right. That's why I didn't have, that's why I didn't have the review for it. Cause I didn't, I didn't have, but the- when you go, when you go to Wikipedia, the morning after is listed. And it's odd because like, like we were talking, um, about like when I looked over up about the, about the album online, the breakout was supposed to be if you, the downloaded version of the album included morning after, but the CD, but not Crimson and Crimson and Clover, but Crimson and Clover was included on the CD version. Yet on Apple music, which is a streaming download service, it's Crimson and Clover on the album, but not morning after. I have no idea. I have no idea what that's yeah. about. That's weird. That's yeah, very strange. But anyway, um, no, I'm excited to listen to Colonize Mine. I think that's going to be, I'm really looking forward to it now, given your take. And um, uh, also, I mean, so many of the reviews specifically point out Colonize yeah, Mine. It's called out a couple of times in the reviews. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is cool. Great. All right. Well, from there, let's move on to the next track, which would be Feel Better, Feel Good, Feel Wonderful. Yeah, why not? And right now, do you want to feel better? Do you want to feel good or do you want to feel wonderful? I think wonder. Do you want to feel you want to feel wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. those options. I mean, it feels like that would be the. That's like the trump card of all of them. Yeah. Guess, that would right? be like sort of the collective whole of just feeling awesome. Right. It's like feeling wonderful. Yeah. Right. I think that's would right. Do you agree yeah. or do you, would you go? I agree. Direction? No, I agree. I agree with that. All right. I think that's a good assessment. Yeah. Good. What do you think of this? Does this make you feel wonderful? It does. It's, I mean, it's, it's a fun track. I don't, I don't have a lot to say about it. It's, I wrote like, get your groove on. This is like a. Like it just it 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 kicks a little bit. There's a little more um, it's a little more danceable uh, as compared to these other tracks, which are just more like groovy kind of like spacey guitar stuff. This is it's still guitar orientation here, which I think is interesting. So I think it still works within the collection, but it's 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 just it's really catchy. Um, he brings some horns in for the first time um, in the album here. So I mean, generally, I think it's. It's a song I certainly listen to. I will jam to it. 
Um, I don't think it's like so in, intriguing and so complicated. I think there's more interesting tracks out here in the collection, but it's it's a fun change of pace and a change of pace in terms of like more of a dance oriented kind of groove and the horns. But it's still it's not so different that it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't fit within the collection for to, to me. How about you? Yeah, you know, I so first of all, I, I'm like I dig the rawness and the urgency yeah. of the vocal on this a lot. I really dig it a lot. So like, let's go on that. I like the vinyl crackles. You know, I'm a fan of the vinyl crackles. Yeah, that we I like that a lot. Name of I'll our new band, the, by the way, is the Vinyl Crackles. Vinyl, that's not a bad. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. The vinyl crackles. Let's think about that. Um, let me say this. I'll be curious what your take is on this one. I'm about to say. I'm not sure that this track is as funky as he says it is. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, it feels a little more, and I, I'm gonna. I realize this may be splitting some hairs, but it feels a little more soul than funk to me. Hmm. I can see where you're coming from with that. You know, it just like yeah. when I think funk, I don't know. This just doesn't feel like funk music. It feels like soul music to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whatever, that might be. You know, neither here nor there. Um, there's some cool little throwaway, like 80s style keyboards here and there that are mixed in the track, which is kind of cool. I like the phrase purple rock and roll. Uh, our guy is always gonna have a little purple. So yeah, I enjoy this track. I mean, like, is it an all timer? I don't think so, but it's a good, you know, second tier fun little track. I think. Yes. I'm with you there. I'm with you. Cool. Let's just move on. So the next one is called, uh, love like jazz. Yeah. If love is like jazz, what music would you associate with hate? (laughs) (laughs) Hate like classical music. Baroque. Yeah, you know what? Nothing signals hatred to me more than Brahms. <laughs> Brahms with the it was a nothing hateful. like a little rock Modernov to set off a riot. Hateful, hateful, hateful material. Let me ask you this. Let me let me let me put it another way. Please do. When you uh so because you're not gonna live forever, because you can't right. eat American dream every day, it's gonna kill you. No, see, this way, hold on. I gotta this, then we need, we need to clarify what you said before. I assumed because you're living forever, it doesn't matter what you eat. Like you're going to be healthy and live forever. I'm changing the parameters of the All hypothetical. Right, yeah, as always, change the rules in the middle of the game. Go ahead. Yeah, this yeah. Is classic, classic Jared. Go ahead. When you when you end up in hell, and don't worry, I'm going to be there with you. We're going yep. to be side by side. Yep. What is the music that they're going to play? All day, every day to torture you in hell. Oh, that's a great question. It's right? funny. So, I went, <laughs> excuse me. I went immediately to something like Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson. But honestly, I think it would probably be super annoying pop, like super pop. Yeah. Clean pop that would just be like earworm craziness. Right. Yeah. And I'm trying to think like if I was just asked, ask myself and I want to hear your like, what is like an awful earworm song? Um, it's too easy to go to We Built the City by Starship. Um, <laughs> I can't hate on that song, only because Grace Slick is on it. The mighty I Grace. know, you're always at a soft spot for Grace. Um, mm-hmm. Boy, um, 
right now, the only song that pops in my head is Beautiful People by Manson. That would be terrible. That would be that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if it was me, I don't know if I have a specific song, but and I don't want to offend anybody, but here we are. If I had to listen to an eternity of like pop country music, Ooh. you know, stuff that's saying like, <laughs> you know, I got my toes in my water and my ass in the sand and I've got, I'm cracking a six pack, like all that kind of bullshit. If I had to listen to that for eternity, um, Lucifer himself would be cackling his head off at my incredible torment. Here's where I'm going to say you got to give Lucifer, Lucifer some credit because it's not eternal, but every Tuesday night's country night in hell. They do have a they do have a Tuesday night country night. Two every, step listen, night. Like let's be clear, if if country night in hell meant you're hanging with Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash, then I'm all good. Not bad, not bad. And Tell I, me why that's there. I'm yeah. all good. Fine. I'm fine. Sure, but if I have to listen to that pop country stuff, I'm gonna I'm gonna murder everyone in hell and then be put back into hell as a result. Yeah, Keith Urban. God bless him. Fucking Keith Urban, keeping yeah. Prince off the top top of the right. charts. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think about this? Uh, would Would you put? Is this in a circle of hell? This particular track? Well, uh, it might be. I don't know. I'll say this: if by jazz here we mean early '60s lounge music that sounds a little bit like a vague Burt Bacharach kind of tune, then sure, then it's jazz. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can. Yeah. This is like, you know, and and something about this particular arrangement, like you feel the drumsticks on the rim that clack, you know, that that also adds to that feeling. Um, It's it it sounds like Art Deco furniture that's, you know, soft orange and green. And, you know, there's a home bar set up. There's people are mixing martinis. That's what this sounds like, you know, a very very art deco-y 60s lounge music. There's also a very Santana sounding guitar solo on this. Yeah, yeah. Sounds very Carlos Santana. Um, So I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure about Love Like Jazz. I, I, there are elements in it that appeal to me. I don't hate lounge music and I certainly don't hate Santana. And, you know, and there's some fun to be had in those art deco rooms, you know, those sort of modern mid-century modern things. But I don't know. Can I listen to it forever? Probably not. I'm not sure. What do, what do you make of it? I, I mean, I it's not jazz. Feelings. It's not jazz music. No, I have mixed feelings about it. it, it, it I, I can't quite. I'm torn about this song because at first I'm like, OK, this is the first track probably in his catalog where I feel like I've just got onto an elevator. So that's not necessarily a good thing. Right. But then I'm like listening to it and trying to give it a better, like give it some 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 room to maybe grow on me a bit. And I'm like, okay, it sounds a little experimental. Seems it seems a little different than what I've heard from him before. So I want to give give him that. A couple of the lyrics that I, I think is kind of cool, like the things I want to do with you, like a physical kind of blue. So that's a little tip of the hat to our our, our guy Miles. So that's all good. I actually did write a note, like I was waiting for a Santana guitar solo because I figured it would come because there's a Latin. Yeah. 3121 Latin vibe going on here. And of okay. course it comes, but I feel like it's a little mellow. It's not like a, he kind of underplays the guitar solo. It's not like really prominent, kind of mellow and somewhat short, which I think is fine. Cause there's a general vibe of the song is kind of this kind of relaxed mode to it. 
Um, And I'm not sure how I feel about the sung part, like the love, like jazz, like it's a little like. So, yeah, this is one that you're kind of like. I appreciate the idea of trying to mix it up a little bit so it's not all sounding the same within the album. But um, yeah, this would be one that I probably would be skipping, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, let's move on to the next track on Lotus Flower. This is titled 77 Beverly Park. Of all the Beverly's in the world, you know, you got your Beverly D'Angelo's, Beverly Clearly, um, Beverly, I don't know. Who's your favorite Beverly? Do you have a favorite Beverly? Um, Beverly D'Angelo's one that popped in my mind. Do you know any Beverly's? Have you ever, have you ever known a Beverly? I don't know any Bev's at all. You know what? I knew a man named Beverly. Really? I didn't know that was uh, a male name. Or t- yeah, he, he went by Beverly. Well, he went by Bev. Everybody called him Bev, but his okay. first name was Beverly. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to go yeah. out. I think that's going to be my next um, New Year's resolution is to find a, a friend named Beverly. Good luck to you. Thanks. What do you think of this track? Beverly <laughs> Park, 77 Beverly Park. Uh, I put these notes like nice transition from Love Like Jazz. I love the guitar effect in the beginning of the song. Then I'm like, what is this? I'm at the Olive Garden, I wrote with a question mark. <laughs> um, uh, so it's just odd. It's an odd ad, <laughs> excuse me, to the odd. album. Yes. It reminds me a little bit, because there's, there's a certain fairly pretty phrase that he's playing over and over again. So it reminds me a little bit of Venus de Milo from the Parade album, but I think the, the the credit I have to that track, and, there's, and a lot of people think that's a throwaway track. I love that song on Parade. In fact, I used to have that little song recorded over and over and over again on a loop because I loved it so much. Here, I think, you know, this one goes on too long. Like, it's just, it's the same phrasing, the same musical idea, and it's just repeated a, 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 too many times to me. Like, I think if this would have been shortened as more of a, like, a, just a little bridge in between the songs, I think it would have worked more effectively. I mean, the end, it's it's okay, I guess, but it's it's just an odd duck. Like, I don't understand its its purpose within this collection of tracks. Yeah, I, I want to agree with that right off the bat. I, I, I'm not sure how it fits in thematically with the rest of the album at all. Um, so I agree with you 100%. I'll say that right away for me, there was something very dark to this. I thought I heard early on in the mix there, is it a, is it a woman crying or is she breathing heavy or... Oh. Hmm. There's there's something happening. To, there's there's a vocal there that yeah. sounds like someone in distress, and then it's it's washed away with like a harpsichord and acoustic guitar, which is such a strange transition to me. Um, yeah. And I and I felt sort of back of something you said about the last track. I feel like there's something sort of Latin in the rhythm of this yeah. track yeah. instrumental. Um, so I don't know. I agree with you. I mean, like there's something sort of lovely in it in and of its way but it the opening is so strange i don't know how it fits into the rest of the record it feels like a real outlier to me 
So I'm just I'm just not sure why it's here. I'm not sure how it fits in. Uh, yeah, with the I get you. I get you. All right. Well, let's move on. The next track here is a song called "Wall of Berlin." Jared, have you been to uh, Berlin, um, Pennsylvania? I didn't even know there was a Berlin, Pennsylvania. I'm not even sure if there is. Let me see. <laughs> that was a test for for um, our, our our research analyst. Yeah, Maddie. Maddie, what's the what's the result there? Um, what do you think about Berlin and the whole uh, Berlin Wall thing? <laughs> what do I think about Berlin? The Berlin, the Lou Reed album. How about yeah. that? I love it. Do you ever listen to that record? Uh, not recently. Really quickly, Berlin, PA is located uh, 75 miles southeast of Pittsburgh in Somerset County, Pennsylvania. So we should take a road trip and do a live recording from Berlin, Pennsylvania. We will do that. We will definitely go there and do we that. We will do that. We will do that. Uh, I love the Lou Reed album, Berlin. It's, I mean, it's dark. It's a sad, dark record, but I really like it. It's, it's beautiful in its way. Critically acclaimed, right? This was the album after his big uh, crossover with um, Transformer. Yeah, the yeah, Transformer. Walking the Wild Side. Yeah, it was yeah. the album we did after that. Um, soon to be discussed in our follow-up pod, Me, You, and Uncle Lou. That's right. About the discography of Lou Reed. Uh, that's a big one for me. Yeah, I like I like Berlin a lot. It's a good one. Does it does it hold up to like does this song would that be this be included in the, that track collection? I don't know. I'll say this. It's pretty simple in terms of instrumentation. It sounds like it's bass and guitar, drums, and drums, 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 drums. Yeah. Lots of great drums right to start. Um, I think the line, she goes down like the wall of Berlin. That's not, that's not too bad. Yeah. There's something sort of, there's something sort of weirdly poetic about that. Um, after the second verse, though, I'll say this. We seem to inexplicably pick up the pace, right? Yeah. It gets the rhythm all of a sudden accelerates and the drumming is the key to this one. So is this song about, is it about taking virginity? Ed, do you think that what's about it? Oh, it's so fresh taking down the wall of Berlin. I, I wonder if it was a ode to, Oh, I don't know. I didn't think of that, but that's possible. Sure. Yeah. Um, the guitar solo has a piercing quality for sure. And that made me think, that he was thinking about sonically tearing down the wall of Berlin. Of course, the wall had been knocked down 30 years prior to this, yeah, you know, sure. so whatever. But um, so I don't know. There's a couple of little staggered guitar bits that, that are very reminiscent of um, <laughs> Everybody Wants Some by Van Halen. Oh, okay. Those so sort of dun dun Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's very, that's very Van Halen. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. Wall of Berlin's interesting, I guess. What do you make of it? Yeah, I'm with you. I think the thing that stood out to me was the drumming. Um, yeah, the drumming stands out on it yeah, big time. I think there's a really nice stutter drum going on there. Um, and it, it kind of, it starts that way and you think, oh, okay, with the lyric, right, he's backing off the guitar a little bit, but then it's kind of surprisingly starts to like rock a bit. Um, and it like, yeah. it kind of lurches around, it bobs and weaves. It's, it's, it's a sneaky one, this song. Like it's hard, it's hard for me to pin this one down. And I think I, I like it because of that. I can't quite get my arms around what this song is ever trying to be. So it makes it a little bit more intriguing to me. Um, and then to your point, like at the end, it's just a fury of drums to end yeah. the song. Drums come on really strong here. So, I mean, 
Is it like a standout best track? No. Do I find it interesting? Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's one I want to come back and revisit maybe and just check out again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, let's move on to track number 10, which is the dollar sign. So I'm not sure if it's money or dollar sign. Oh, let's call it money. Let's call it money. Ed, would you say that the film Swingers is the best example of using the word money as slang? Did it? I guess it invented it. Did it invent that? Yeah, I, so I, I mean, I, I can't say definitively, but that's where I I was first aware of the idea of like you're so money. I mean, would yeah, be you're so Swingers, yeah. and I after that was a very. Um, in, in our good old blockbuster rental market type, you used to like rent cassettes, video cassettes back in the time this was a release. That was one of the first movies I've ever rented where I watched it multiple times in a row. Like I just kept watching a movie over and over again. Swingers. Yeah. And I happened around that same time to rent a little movie called Clerks and watch that a few times in a row. But yeah, I really like Swingers a lot. Yeah, Swingers is great. Swingers is great. Yeah. What do you think of this track? Is this track money? What do you got? Yeah, you know, it, I like it. It's it's it. It also like I, I struggle with its it's it's include it's being included here in this collection because it does feel a little out of place for for various reasons. Like for example, Camille all of a sudden is making an appearance, like the vocal, yeah. and I wonder like is it a nod? We've been using this track to start some of our recent pods, the Lover Money track, way back when, which was the first introduction of the Camille voice. Uh, at least yeah. on a record for Prince as the B-side to Kiss. Um, so maybe that. I, I mean, it's a, it swings a bit. The song swings a bit. I kind of dig it. I like the repeated phrase, easy come, easy gone. Like, I like the way that yeah. kind of grooves, and I like that coming yeah. back. It's a nice way to keep landing in that one spot. I also really, there's a moment here that I really dig, and it's, there's a time, he says, love, that's all you got, What rhymes with that, and then it pauses, and it just isolates these impossible horn stabs that just yeah. like, I love that moment. So that moment alone makes me like this song. And I find it very interesting. What about you? I I agree with you totally. I think the horns come in and save the day on this track. Yeah. I think they yeah. save the day on this track. Um, I feel similarly. I mean, like what I wrote, uh, it's a, I'm, I'm into this vocal range, high, slightly nasal. I wrote, maybe it's not quite Camille, but it's pretty damn close to it if it's not. It's it, so we might as well just say it's a Camille voice. Um, I think it's got this track has some bounce to it for sure, you know, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. I love it. Like it's, I think it's not bad. It's a little bit of a parable, I guess. Um, you know, we got that voiceover at the beginning, which is weird with him asking Maceo to give him some money and okay, fine. Um, but the horn, the horns are the track for me. The horns save it. Yeah. That's all absolutely. I no, I'm with you there. Absolutely, 100%. Um, let's move on. So we're getting towards the end here. Um, this track is called Dreamer.
Jared, would you agree that Dreamweaver is in the top five singles of the 70s? <laughs> by Gary Wait. Wright, by the way. Is is it from the 70s or was it an 80s track? Are we sure I believe it was, it was a 70s track? Uh what, what's this guy? Ben, we're keeping Matt busy today. Matt's got a lot to do with this yeah, one. Hello, Matt. Let's see. Let me check this out really. Dreamweaver. Um Dreamweaver is a song by we said Gary Wright, as I called it. 1975. Wow. Okay. So is that a top five single of the 70s? I think uh I don't see how it can't be. Probably number one. <laughs> after after much consideration of the full 70s catalog, it's definitely in the top five. Would you take Dreamweaver or over Brandy? Or would you take Brandy? I would take Dreamweaver over Brandy. You would take Dreamweaver? Oh, that's no way. I would. No way. Brandy's a better song than Dreamweaver. Oh, no. Dreamweaver's a funky, weird little track. It's a spacey sound to it, and then it grooves in the chorus. But Brandy, you're a fine girl. What oh, I like the white? song, but I, I would take if, if do, we're going to do almost like a March Madness with brackets and put all these 70 tracks up against each other and see who the winner is. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, yeah. I want to see if people prefer Dreamweaver to Brandy. That feels like a hot take to me. You got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about this dreamer track? Wah wah, I wrote in capital wah, wah. letters. Wah wah. I, I'm in for whatever this is right at the stop, you know, right at the start. Um, and then it drops into like sound garden level grunge chords, which is kind of fascinating. Heavy, heavy riffs, heavy riffs. Um it, it's it's reminding me of something. And I've been thinking about it since I was doing my listens for the for the pod, and I can't. I can't quite place what it is the track is reminding me of. There are some great licks in the solo. You know, it's got a blues, grunge, soul kind of mix in the tones of it, which I dig. There's more multi-layered, multi-track guitars on this. But having said that, I'm not sure, and I'd, I'd be curious what you think, Ed. The title, I guess, but... There's nothing really psychedelic in this track. Would you agree? I, I don't know if there's, if there's a psychedelia feel to this. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say the, the title Dreamer is like a psychedelic and in its own right. But, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, unless you want to talk about maybe the guitar effect gives it sort of a little bit of a psychedelic, that wah-wah, yeah. kind mean, of, that heavy wah-wah. Yeah, maybe, guitar. I guess so. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think that's what strikes me no, most, and, and was mentioned by a lot of the reviews, is the sheer tonnage of those riffs. It's so heavy. Oh, I agree um, with that. Like I, I, my note here was this is the most blatant Jimi Hendrix tribute song on the album. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. so Hendrix, right? Yeah. And it rocks. Yeah. It rocks accordingly, like it should. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I love all, all the things you said, like um the, the just nasty guitar underneath it, so many different riffs and effects, and it's just cutting and just like just stabbing and like like just projecting light out of everything it's amazing and and it also what i think works so well is how it grinds out and is so down and filthy it makes the lyrics pop like there's some actually some cool lyrics here like the standout for me was race race still matters a race to what and where are we going we in the same boat but i'm the only one rowing i love that like little run of lines i think that's great like again i really feel like it lyrically does such a better job here i'm just, much more effective than than Planet Earth was. So, no, I think this is great. I think it rocks. I think it, it got a lot of kudos in some of the reviews you mentioned. I think that was appropriate. Um, it's a standout track for me. I think it's 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 definitely a rocker. Yeah, it's it. I, I mean, I'm into it. I dig it. No, I dig it. 
So uh, then we come to track number 12 uh, or 13, depending on what your track listing is. Right, right. On various, on various outlets. But this is called Back to the Lotus. So now I'll throw you a yoga question. Please. How comfortable are you in the lotus position? Do you are you able to comfortably achieve that position, that pose, or is it a struggle? Or well, tell me about that. I'm going to say no, only because it's been so long I've done yoga. I'm forgetting what the lotus position even is. The lotus is when you when you sit cross legged, like but in. Oh, that's right. Like, yeah, it's a problem for me. I mm-hmm. I have very, as you know, I've enormously like like outrageously and kind of. Uh, absurdly long legs you do like all legs and then i have a head like that's that's basically that's pretty much it it's weird. it's weird um so yeah i have a lot of issues with that whole cross leg lotus you want me to talk about this one <laughs> only if you want to i don't only know. if you want to you seem distracted yeah well i was i was looking up the lyrics on this one a little bit because there's some interesting spoken lyrics it's kind of odd stuff going yeah. on here uh yeah. You know, it's it's bookends, right? You're expecting this since there was a, an instrumental opening, instrumental back end of it to close out the album. It's a little different. I think there's a little more effects going on. Um, I don't know how what you make of some of these lyrics. Like, they're so interesting, um, just so odd. Um, he says, from a lotus flower somewhere in the South Pacific, corner of my studio, up in the clouds, the enemy of your seed performs a righteous deed. It looks a little gray to the atmosphere has been corrupted by the impure cleansing all the airwaves. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> How are the yeah. plants? Don't fret us down this point. You know, this is this is back when Prince, some I don't know how famous it was, but he definitely um, became somewhat infamous. That when he was on Tavis Smiley, he he talked about the whole chemtrail thing conspiracy yeah. that he felt right. very strongly about that. So I don't yeah. know if some of these lyrics are aligned with that belief that he had. Maybe, maybe. Um, maybe. You know, it's again. This is what do you say about a track like this? It's instrumental. It, it, I think it closes out the album. It, it bookends it well, but it's not like anything. I'd be like, Oh my God, please go look to, listen to black to the Lotus. It's amazing. No, I listen. I actually, well, I have a few thoughts about this one. You can't really make out the vocals for sure. They're sort of muddy in the mix there to begin with. I do like the guitar work in this track, yeah. but yeah. Here, here's where I get lost. I'm not a big fan and never have been of sort of, you know, rock rock and roll stars ending albums with sound collages of various kinds. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these attempts to be avant-garde or, you know, sort of leaning into the trippiness, whether it's the Beatles were Revolution Number no. 9 or Pearl Jam did it on their third album, Vitology, with a, with a track called Hey, Sexy, Mop Handle Mama. You know, there's these sound collage things, and they just... They don't interest me. Actually, I find them unpleasant to listen to Mm -hmm. Uh, because when I'm listening to that, I sort of can't, I don't want to have to work that hard to track what it is they're trying to say to me. You know, you know, and and, and I don't mind, like, obviously I don't mind doing the work of diving into a song, but this isn't really a song. It's, 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 it's a sound collage right in the end. Right. Right. uh, I just, I, I would skip this nine out of 10 times. I only listen to it, you know, when I have to think about it more critically for when we're doing the pod, but otherwise I would skip it. 
Would you do you? I know we're getting a little ahead, but <clears throat> excuse me. Is, would you find this album actually even more effective if you if you remove the begin the, the the beginning the Lotus songs on either end? That's a great question. I don't know because I like the opening one. The opening yeah. one works for me. I mean, it doesn't do a lot, but it sort of sets up for where you're going to be. Yeah. So I think if I rather than remove them both, what I would say was if this if the book ending piece was of a similar vein instrumentally yeah the opening one that would be different and I, and and I'm not a well let me put it this way I like when artists are able to thematically close whatever their project is you know whether it's a film or a novel or a song whatever it is th- thematic closure works for me and I understand that this is an attempt at that but it be, it's so radically different again from the opening version of it yeah. and everything else in between. It leaves me a little, I just don't like it. I just don't like listening to it. It's unpleasant. Okay. I, I mean, no, calm down. I get it. Um, don't, get, don't get angry about it. Well, it's too late now. Now I'm pretty angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about, uh, let's, 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 since we started talking about the album as a whole, like what's your favorite track? Well, there's one last thing we have to talk about. Oh, what's that? I'm sorry. There is a brief reprise of Crimson and Clover. Oh, I missed that. There is now, like there, it's not in any way different, and I, I'm I'm not saying we have to analyze it, but at least the version I have, there is a reprise of Crimson and Clover. Um, and what I have here is that this is a puzzle to me on why it's there. Why is there a reprise when we've already heard it? Uh, it feels like a very odd choice. It feels wasteful or something. I don't get that at all now. Mm. You know, um, of all the of all the songs that he could have put on here, why why this? And also, like you know, Ed, we talk about sequencing a lot, yeah, and the sequencing of records and the value of that. So, to me, just for a quick moment, let me say, if you're not going to close, if you're going to have some weird addendum to your album after the book ending piece, I feel like the closing track should be forever. Forever mm. feels like the closer. To me. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I just I don't know why the reprise of Crimson and Clover is there. Even is. more so, it's even a bigger question for me than why was it there in the first place? Oh, why, why, you, like, yeah, especially if you're gonna do a Lotus and and back to the Lotus as sort of this net somewhat conscious bookend, why would you put a yeah, why put another song at the back end of back back to the Lotus? But Lotus doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So anyway. Now I'm frustrated. Yeah. Um, what's your uh, What's your favorite track on this bad boy? Boom is my favorite. Same. Boom. Same. Boom. What's least your least favorite seventy seven Beverly. Mine's back to the Lotus. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I mean, for all the reasons I just said. Most interesting. I went with forever because I think that oh, as I said, like that it, to me, it gets so exponentially stronger as it goes on. Okay. I find that I find that interesting that the back half of it is so much stronger than the first half. I, I put money down because I just think it's such a, a, a kind of a weird kind of yeah I don't know I get that aerial track yeah cool what cool. is your favorite musical moment on this record uh, I mentioned it I think in the in the review of the song but again back to the money song I, when he does that love that's all you got what rhymes with that and then it's it just all the music drops out and then it's just the horns stabbing yeah. love yeah, that yeah. moment For how sure. about you. Uh, my favorite musical moment is the that opening riff and boom. There's no question about it. That that guitar riff as boom starts is just nice, awesome. It's just nice. awesome. 
what is your give us some overall impression, your overall thoughts and your Prince rating on this record? Yeah, you know, I don't remember feeling strongly about this album anyway when it was released. I mean, and, and I think possibly it was just like we talked about with Emancipation a little bit. I think maybe it got lost because there was so much material. Right. Because there was a Lotus Flower album, which had there's how many songs on there? Twelve, thirteen. I forget how many songs. If you count the Crimson Clover reprise, there's 13. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of tracks for an album, let alone there's another Minneapolis Sound um, album out there. I think because of the I was a little overwhelmed by the amount of material. Maybe that was it. Just focusing on this LP was kind of a bit of a revelation for me. Like, I think it works well. I think it generally works very well as a whole. And, And outside of Rainbow Children. Excuse me. Outside of Rainbow Children, this might be the most cohesive collection he made in this 10 year span, in my opinion. Like, I feel like there's a certain vibe here. And he really, with certain exceptions, he pretty much adheres to what he's trying to accomplish with this guitar, spacey, atmospheric, almost psychedelic sound um, throughout the album with certain little, little, little anomalies here and there. But I think that's good. Lyrically, he's back where I like him. Like, like, like this is Prince mysticism, just hard takes on things. Um, I, I really dig that a lot. Um, the lyrics, they just sound, they sound cool, you know, like, and, and I think like, although this could have, this collection could have been maybe just dismissed as an homage to Hendrix. I think it's, that's severely shortchanging what he's done here with his collection. Like Prince is very much his, his personality is very much stamped in these songs. Um, you know, the songs I didn't even remember from the collection, like money or wall of Berlin, like those they add some different colors. I feel, feel like they complement the whole. Overall, I just think this is a really strong showing for this guy, right? For the, for our guy here. But I will say this: comparing stuff within the ten year frame we've been going through, the ten year span, no one track here though reaches the heights of say Black Sweat, thirty one twenty one, the word, right? So I know you're like, what, what's my print symbols? I would say I go a hair under what I rated. I think thirty-one twenty-one. I think I gave that a four. I give this like three and three quarters. Okay, you give it. You're 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 feeling more strongly about it than I am. Okay, um, with it. I'll say that I wish the whole album stuck with this. First of all, I wish it all stuck with the psychedelic vibe that yes. is set up in the beginning. That sort of falls away. You know, that sort of that that sort of element of it falls away. And for me. The the strongest part of the whole record, musically speaking, are those verses, specifically the verses in Boom, that when he really leans into the psychedelic rock, it's it's a sound that's unlike anything we'd heard from him before precisely, but also one that seems to suit him perfectly. I really wish he had stayed with that. I wish he had stayed in that vein, um, really frankly, exploring the Lotus, right? Exploring the the whole side of that Eastern mysticism. Um, and I feel like he gave up on it. He gave up on those ideas kind of uh, not even halfway through the record. So I'm, I was disappointed in that. Um, so for me, while there are moments of real intrigue, money, wall of Berlin, uh, dreamer to some extent, um, I don't know. I My, my initial... My initial rating, I only gave this two Prince symbols. Whoa, wow. I only gave it two because I thought there wasn't enough strong material. I'm I'm rethinking that. I'm, I'm thinking that might be a little harsh. I was yeah. also on a plane flying back from London and tired, and so I, I might not have been in the best of moods. So I, I could bump this up to certainly two and a half, maybe two and three quarters. I don't know if I could go three 
Um, but like, like all of these sort of later career records, there's gems on here, you yeah. know? Um, it's just that the the whole doesn't always, the whole doesn't come together the way I wish it would. Gotcha. Yeah. I, let me ask you this question. because This crossed my mind when I was listening to this. Now that we've almost gone through now, we haven't done, of course, Minneapolis sound yet. We'll do that next. But of all the releases he's had, say from 2000 to 2010 or 20, I say yeah. 2009. Um, I thought to myself, if he was to do a tour of small clubs, I want him, I want him supporting. I want to hear him doing this material from this album. Like I, yeah. like, I think this would be insane live. Like if he was doing this guitar oriented psychedelic stuff in here, this was probably, if you were to say, Ed, pick an album from, from that period that you want to see Prince in a small club, just rocking out, like just, see him playing this was this would be the this would be the album i'd want to hear i think that's probably right because i also think that you know he has the ability that not every performer has which is he can elevate weaker material by exploring it live yeah uh and i agree with you so i would have loved to have heard like dreamer live what would that have sounded like oh my god Let's like let's go like and I and I think also your instinct is right like a smaller club tour rather than big arenas would have suited this better yeah um, because you want to have rooms that have really good sound and arenas don't have great sound you want to have right. some place that is built for sound and I think that really would have worked I agree with you I think that would have been an interesting experiment um, yeah yeah um, should we move on to um, we doing musicology. Musicology. Jerry, what you got for the old musicology? Well, for this week's episode of musicology, episode of of the show, I only went with a single track rather than a whole. Because I was thinking so heavily about the psychedelic of it all, the psychedelia of it all. So my musicology recommendation is Eight Miles High by The Birds. Sure. So, uh, folks, if you don't know the birds, they were, for a very brief moment, the American answer to the Beatles. That was what they were actually sort of designed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, they, much like the Beatles, went from sort of jangly pop rock into some psychedelia. And um, Eight Miles High is their most psychedelic track. It's a really famous song. It's got sort of that backwards tracked guitar on it and everything it was written primarily by the late david crosby who just died recently um and i think it's for my money i think it's the preeminent example of 60s psychedelic rock so if you've never heard the track eight miles high i'm guessing a lot of you have but if you haven't heard it go seek it out I think it'll it'll blow your minds a little bit because that's my musicology choice i love it and it's a great selection it's so funny i my note I wrote down originally when I was thinking about musicology was, okay, which Jimi Hendrix album do you pick here? Sure. Um, you know, so I actually went and, and, and probably a lot of the people listening already know this, but I just thought I'd point this out to folks who maybe aren't aware and maybe at least want to give this thing a try. So as, as with many legendary artists like Hendrix and others, there's, there's several like tribute albums out there. So there's one specifically for, for Hendrix called power of soul, um, which is a tribute to Jimi Hendrix let me give you some of the players on here. Well, let me just say this first. Prince is on it. Sure. Prince is on it doing Red House, but it's called Purple House, of course, because it's Prince. Of course. Of but course. let me just tell you some of the other songs, if you want to just check this out and see people's takes on some of this material. We have Spanish Castle Magic by Santana. 
Wind Cries Mary by Sting. Ooh, nice. Voodoo Child by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, what else we got? We got Eric Clapton on here. We got Lenny Kravitz on here. Um, Robert Randolph, who I'm a big what fan is, of. What does Clapton do? Little Wing? Clapton's no, just Burning of a Midnight Lamp, which I'm not even familiar with that track. Oh, Burning of the Midnight Lamp is a great song. That's a great song. Well, it's funny you bring up because Little Wing is one of my favorite um Hendrix tracks, and it's on here twice, actually. There's a version here with Shaka Khan singing it. Ooh. And then it ends. The album ends with a live version of Little Wing by our good man Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble doing oh, wow. it, which, you know, forget about it. Um but yeah, there's some interesting ones like CeeLo's on here. Um, but yeah, you know, check it out again. It's called Power of Soul. Um, it was released back in 2010. Um, tribute to, to, to Jimi Hendrix. I will definitely check that out. I, I, you know, there was a time in my life, I don't do it as much now, but there was a time in my life where I was like, the tribute album's out? Let's get it, you know, and like really yeah. listen to yeah. those. Yeah. Um, Burning Burning of the Midnight Lamp, that's, that's one of his more psychedelic songs, really. Okay, I'll have to, I haven't even listened to that particular one of the out of the album. Right. That's great. You know what? There was just a, just just by way of a, some little information. One of my favorite rock writers is a guy named Stephen Hyden. I think I may have even mentioned him before, and he just released this week um, his ranking of the hundred greatest debut albums. Of okay, all time. Terrence Trent was where? <laughs> didn't oddly didn't was one hundred one was oh. one hundred one, but number one was Are You Experienced. That was number yeah. One. yeah, yeah. Uh, tough to beat. That was yeah. tough to beat. So um for you did not make the cut of the ah, bummer. That's okay. Cool. Uh excellent. Well, from musicology, we move on to dig if you will the picture. Ed, what do you dig on this picture? Do you dig anything in this picture? What do you oh, make of this picture? I'm digging. Yeah. I'm digging. This is a fave of mine. Like I mentioned to you, I have this, I had that as a t-shirt, really dug it. I, this is a really, he, he's definitely changed course from his several last several albums where we're like, what in the hell kind of, this looks really, really cool to me. I love, I mean, how will you even describe this image, Jared? Do you have it in front of you? Um, I do. I mean, it's, it's sort of, I don't know. It's, it's uh Prince in a ball. I mean, it's trippy. It's yeah. it's trippy, and it's kind of you want it to be sort of melting around you. As yeah. A, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is definitely one of the better album covers we've had in a long time, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I I like the color scheme, the pouring of the light, the energy, the karma, whatever it is. Yep. You know, what I presume is Prince's mind. You know, it's yep. certainly better than it's certainly better and more considered than any of the album covers we've seen in a while. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. I really dig it. Like if you were a fan back in the day in the Sign of the Times era where he was all about that that crystal ball with the effect on it, he's basically inside one. But like you said, it's like his his um, you get the lower half of his face and it's like laser beam mystic something shooting into his head um, oh, and then like a lotus flower behind it with a pyramid and all that fun stuff. It's trippy. It's a cool and it's very purple, of course, as you would we yeah. would think. Um, so I, I'm a big fan. I think it's a really cool. It's a really cool cover. Agreed. 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 All right. Excellent. Well, from there, it's time for question. Question of you. All right. Well, we mentioned very briefly that this was actually a three album collection. So we had a, a new protege. 
Uh, Princess moved through several of these through the twenty the two thousands. So we now move on to Bria Valente. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. So we're gonna, we're going to ask a little tricky question about her. So let's do it. Let's do let's it. Talk about this. So <laughs> excuse me. So um, what I'm looking for is that Bria released a CD single. The single was called Tonight. Uh, on February 23rd, 2012, actually. So it was after this decade, but still it's relevant because she's part of this collection. It was part of a Prince Club remix package, which included the single Dance For Me by Prince. Um, I want you to tell me the very Prince-ish name um, of the Swiss-based record label. What was the name of the Swiss-based record label that released the CD single of Bria Volante of Tonight? which was part of a Prince Club remix package released in February of 2012. Excellent. These are, I love it. These are good. This is a good question. This is excellent. All right, folks, you know what to do. When you find that answer, hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can email us at whendovespodcast, all lowercase, at gmail.com. We look forward to your answers. So Ed, as you know, we uh, first of all we uh, we record in advance often, but we also we were off for a couple of weeks uh, or for a week anyway. So yeah. we have to backtrack and cover some questions for you that we didn't get to. And what were the questions for the Planet Earth episode? Oh yeah, yeah, we had a couple there. So one was um, who, what Prince related, like in Prince's Inner Circle, did um, Shelby actually perform with before she came into Prince's band? Who was that? What was that artist or act that she was with? Yes. And of course, Matty A, our devoted researcher, he had the answer. He said Shelby J sang with Larry Graham. That is correct. That is correct. And he also says he missed the opportunity to see one of those shows. He lived nearby at the time, and it's one of the regrets of his life. Wow. There There it is. There it is. And then, Ed, there was another question you asked. uh, Yeah, it was was our first numbers question, maybe, of the whole series, um, which was... Um, we talked about how Planet Earth was distributed in the, the Daily Mail or Sunday Mail, right? Was that what Sunday right, Mail? The Daily Mail. Um, so I said, how many additional copies were sold than normal um, with this Prince promotion? What was that number? Right. And Mattie says that uh, he believes that increased print was about six or 700,000. I was getting 600,000, so we'll accept that answer. We'll accept that answer. Well done, Maddie. Your streak continues. And then we also we also want to cover the Indigo Knights episode and their, right. that question. What was that question, if you remind us? Yeah, we were talking about the O2 where Prince played those 21 nights. And I we I asked, what, what acts sold out the quickest at the O2? That's right. And Maddie A came on board with this. You know, he didn't know. He said he admits he didn't know it off the top of his head. He initially thought it was either Bowie or the Stones, but he did get it. He found out the correct answer is the Spice Girls. That is absolutely correct. Spice Girls. Yep. And because Maddie is obviously actively gunning to be our researcher, he provided <laughs> the top five other record oh, times. Let's read, let's, let's, let's read through those. Since he did Here the we go. The top five sellout records of the O2. Number five, Beyonce, 12 minutes. Number two, Rihanna, 10 minutes. Number three, The Stones, seven minutes. Number two, Gary Barlow, Mm. six minutes. And number one, the number one sellout time for the O2 was Monty Python Live, 
43 seconds. There you go. There you go. Well done, Maddie. Well, Jared, I also want to take a second here to just quickly, we we, we gave these folks shout outs on Facebook, but uh, we always love when folks come to our Facebook page. It's just called Wind Doves Podcast. You can search it, join it. We have some nice discussions. We post videos there. A lot of fan discussion going on. It's very fun. Um, we had a couple of people join over the last month or so. We had Cheryl Johnson Manning join. Really appreciate it. Um, Marshall uh, McClurg joined recently. Marshall, um, you're rocking it on here. A lot of conversations happening with Marshall. He's jumping in a lot of conversations, which we appreciate very much. Um, and also, I think last but not least, we had um, the where Matt Michael, Michael Sweet. Uh, appreciate that. And Mike also um, gave me some good tips on some ways to talk about or get the word out about our Buzzsprout subscri- subscription um, ask. So I think we did actually have some people subscribe, Jared. We should give those folks, those wonderful people, some shout outs as well. We do indeed. We've got some subscribers who have joined up and we're so grateful to everyone that has so far. We've got our old friends, Steph and Bonnie, Matty yes. A, they've all yes. signed up. Our yes. friends, uh, Samaj and Michael and Angela have signed up. Folks, if you are willing to help us out and join up uh, as a subscriber to When Doves Podcast, we're going to have some bonus material and some other projects that we're going to be working on for subscribers only. And uh, you probably already heard the ad we put at the top of the show, but it can't, it, it's, it's worth repeating. It bears repeating that we would welcome your patronage and you can find our subscription link on um, our website, on our platform, which is at Buzzsprout. The link is in our bios and all over the place on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. So you can click on that and, and sign up. And we'd be so grateful if you did to help us keep uh, this product moving forward. Yeah, very much appreciated. Thanks so much to those folks who stepped up already. Like we said, we won't forget you. I'll be reaching out with some um, special content. And I know, like, I know Steph's already stepped up and we're looking for other folks. This summer, folks, you, all you trivia fans, we're going to do some live contest recordings, my friends. Let's we're going to do it. We're Bring your game. It. We're going to do it. We're do some questions. See how much you know about your prints. So that's right. That so in mind. Gearing up. The summer games are coming soon. That's the right. Games are the Prince Olympics will be happening. Prince Olympics. Um, so Ed, what will we be talking about next week on the pod? So we're going to look at this companion album for this set, and it's called Minneapolis Sound. MPLS Sound. Yes, indeed. That's what's coming up next, everybody. So we hope that you will join us for that one. Uh, again, please reach out uh, on social media and over email. We'd love to hear from you all. And we hope everyone is doing well and is uh, healthy and good and enjoying uh, the early days of spring. Yes. And as the days get longer and brighter, we still wish for you to see the dawn. All right. Love you, everybody. Have a good Bye, one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.